everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, June 24th, 2018. I am captivated by summer. I can't keep my eyes off the girl. She has none of the qualities that I like in a human being, yet all of the qualities that I like to watch in a soap opera character. She's perfectly embodying the entitlement and manipulation tactics that I would expect from the granddaughter of Victor Newman. She, this week, was handed a perfectly good job at Fenmore's. But no, 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 no. Summer's not satisfied to have a perfectly good job at Fenmore's. She wants to create her own high-level position at an internationally renowned cosmetics company with little to no corporate experience. Summer has nothing going for her there except for the fact that her mommy works there and her mommy, Phyllis, talks to Billy, asks him to be a dear (laughs) and give her daughter this dreamt up position that she has requested, that Summer has requested. It is not only a dream position, but it's also a crossover position where, since Billy wouldn't give her a job at Jabot, Summer would be working on a way to tie in Jabot products with Fenmore's department stores. And of course, we as the audience know that she's going to use this position as a continued manipulation of Billy. In a way, a continued sexual harassment of Billy. Ugh! <sighs> Billy... I pity the man in a way, but he's also not doing a whole lot to help his own situation. Rather than telling Phyllis what an HR nightmare Summer has become, he agrees to the crossover project as a favor to Phyllis in a way. And smartly, I think, (laughs) decides to give this to Phyllis as a way to help her and not raise any suspicions, but he also decides to toss Kyle onto the project, maybe even as a bit of a meat shield (laughs) to let Kyle and Summer just distract each other with the uh, sexual tension that's oozing out of both of them toward each other. Let that be a distraction because it's working. It is absolutely working because unlike with Billy, Summer knows that Kyle wants her. And he does. (laughs) Kyle cannot keep his eyes off of Summer. He had no problem keeping his hands all over Summer as he was slathering on that sunscreen all over her body during the uh, business 
meeting that they were having at the rooftop bar. I mean, they were ready to get down to business, but it had nothing to do with the papers and the folders that were in the scene. The second she took off her clothes to reveal her little bikini, <laughs> I think the business became about something else. And I loved, by the way, that Mariah intervened <laughs> a little bit. She comes up to him. Well, actually, Summer pulled Mariah into their conversation and the two girls start snarking back and forth. But I loved Mariah's intervention, almost as if Mariah was an audience member. And Mariah just looked at them both and said, oh, so what are you guys up to here? Um, I'll just call it like it is. It looks to me like you guys are still playing the tired, illicit game of will they or won't they? Way to nail it, Mariah! That so-called business meeting between Kyle and Summer was incredibly important, though, because Summer made an interesting comment about Phyllis in that scene and maybe clued us in a little bit to where Summer's mind is. Summer comments to Kyle that she feels that her mom made a major mistake in life by leaving Jack. Summer believes that what Phyllis and Jack had together had substance, while with Billy, what Phyllis has with him is really more just a flash in the pan, maybe something that was based on sexuality but is due to fizzle out any day now. For me, that puts Summer's actions, everything that came before and everything that followed, into a bit more context. Maybe Summer is bitter about Phyllis's betrayal of Jack and the subsequent divorce, the breakup, and maybe what Summer really wants in all of this is to punish Phyllis for what she did to Jack. And maybe everything that's going on with Billy is just Summer's way of helping things along. Maybe Summer thinks, I'm just gonna continue to present opportunities for Billy to betray Phyllis and assumes that he's just gonna fall right into one of the traps. That's exactly what the poker game was all about. Summer was actively taunting him. She was strategically taunting him. She calls a bunch of her friends over to her apartment for a game of cards when she knows damn well that Billy is a former gambling addict. And the, 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 the real twist of it all is that Summer did this on purpose, I believe, yet she made the whole poker game seem like just innocuous fun. There's no big deal here. It's not anything bigger. It's just it's just some people getting together to play some cards. And the fact that it seemed so innocuous was, I think, what lured Billy right on into the game, deciding to participate in the game, to just go along with the fun. It's not really harmful. It's just some kids sitting in the apartment playing some poker. And... 
that's what lured him into it. That's what caused him to go for it despite his better judgment. Summer is working a slow con here. She has been laying the groundwork for all of this that has been making Billy question himself over time for a while now. She, when she first came onto the show, was making comments about how Billy had become tepid. He was no longer the wild guy. He had lost a little something of his personality. Now he's at Jabot wearing suits and making decisions and taking over this corporate job. How boring. And on top of it all, Billy's in this relationship that he's tied into, but it's not a marriage. There's not really a commitment there. And all the while, Summer's prancing around the apartment in her nighty presenting Billy with ample opportunities up top (laughs) to look at her, to be tempted by her, and to ultimately, Summer, I'm sure hopes, screw up and break Phyllis's trust. He's really only a few steps away from that in one form or another. The next morning... Billy and Summer both wake up kind of late after a really long night of partying till 4 a.m. Billy's late for his job. Summer kind of barely, she has a loose job. (laughs) She has this dream job that she barely is even caring if she goes to. And they come together in the morning and talk about the night prior. Billy says to her, I may have had some fun. I may have won that poker game, but I am losing a little bit of my gambling sobriety here, and I need you to not speak of this again. Summer agrees. She says, okay, we're not going to talk about it. If it made you uncomfortable, I don't have to tell anyone our little secret. He sits Summer down even and starts to talk to her about his gambling addiction and why it is so important to not only him, but to his loved ones and to his company, to his family, that he doesn't start down a path that's going to lead to any type of destructive behavior for him. And for him, it's gambling. And even the littlest things could set him off and ruin the life that he claims he wants, that he's telling Summer, I like my life. I don't feel that I've lost any part of my personality. This is who I am. This is what I want. And Summer's just sitting there going, okay, okay, all right. If you say so, I won't tell anybody. But I thought that Billy had given a really compelling argument to Summer. I thought maybe he was reaching her a little bit. It was a really well-written speech when he sat there and explained everything to Summer. It was well-written. It was well-delivered. Jason Thompson was so, so sexy. Just sitting there talking about the the character of Billy's life and where he was versus where he is and what he wants. And the speech was so, so poignant. Um, the intricacies of a gambling addiction, I think, were a lot better explained during that speech when Billy was talking to Summer than were explained at the time when the storyline was actually going on. And to that point, 
How could Summer not know all about Billy's history with gambling already? He got beat up, ran over, and nearly died over his gambling debts. And unless I'm remembering incorrectly, I think Summer was in town. I think the character was present, even if it was in the background. I think she was in Genoa City while all of that was going down. Plus, thinking back to the look on Summer's face when she decided to call all of those people over for the poker game, she knew. She had to know. And now she's got herself into a position where she's created a secret that can be kept of Billy's. Phyllis was out of town while all of this was going on. Summer now has leverage over Billy. But even that's not enough. Even that moment was not enough. Summer promised to never mention another word about gambling to Billy ever again. She sat there and she listened to his entire poignant speech about his destructive past. And then she invited to deal him in to another game the very next day. She is bad, but in the very best way. As part of the temporary custody arrangement, Nick is going to need to undergo supervised visits with Christian. So his lawyer, Brittany, is at the house and she's trying to coach him through this. The second that Sharon steps out of the room, Brittany warns Nick that Sharon has become a liability to you and to your son. You are going to need to be prepared to choose between them. If you continue on with this relationship with Sharon, it's putting your custody of Christian at risk. But Nick refuses to listen to Brittany's advice. I think Nick refuses to accept that his relationship with Sharon is in any way going to be a detriment to him, even though he just got his son taken away. And the judge explicitly said that it was because the judge wasn't comfortable with Sharon being in the boy's life. So... (laughs) The logical thing to do might be to reconsider the relationship or at least the living arrangement with Sharon. But instead, Nick turns 180 degrees into the other direction of logic and he asks Sharon to marry him. This (laughs) I have mixed feelings about (laughs) and I wonder if you have mixed feelings about it too. Our poll question for this week is, should Nick and Sharon get married? We've got to talk about this, why in our chatters? Should Nick and Sharon actually be doing this? Whyourchat.com is where you can vote in the poll, leave me some comments, because it's a long time Nick and Sharon fan. I mean, I love Nick and Sharon, 
but I'm voting no. I think this is really bad timing. I think it's well-intentioned on Nick's part, but it is really bad timing. <sighs> Nick believes that by marrying Sharon, he's going to demonstrate that he has faith in her. And if he has faith in her, then he believes that the judge and everyone else will begin to have faith in her too. But that's pie in the sky, Nicholas Newman. That's totally, totally naive. Any experienced soap opera viewer can tell you that you've just jeopardized your custody case even further. You're going to lose custody of the kid altogether. It was temporary before. It's going to be permanent now. <laughs> And on top of it all, sorry, but where was Nick's undying faith in Sharon the last time they were engaged? He dumped her like a dead body as soon as he found out that Sharon switched Summer's paternity test results and made it look like Jack was Summer's father. I do love Nick and Sharon for like forever. I do. I love them. And they have an unmatched love story. They have a deep, rich history that is very personal to me in a way. I feel like I've known this couple for a really long time. I feel like I've been with them through a lot. And part of me wants to say, sure, go ahead, throw caution to the wind, choose love, believe in each other, and then believe that the situation is going to work itself out. But I also think, as an experienced soap opera viewer, that YNR is setting this couple up for ruin. I can't help but notice that <laughs> Nick is spending a lot of time with Phyllis throughout all of this. It's an interesting tie-in that Summer seems to be simultaneously pulling apart Billy and Phyllis while bringing together Nick and Phyllis. And Phyllis did mention this week when she was talking to Nick about how Nick and Sharon's marriage originally ended. Nick cheated on Sharon with Phyllis. So part of me thought, well... If Nick doesn't see that maybe Sharon is a detriment to his case and that maybe right now is not the best time to marry her, then maybe Sharon will see that and we can avoid the marriage and therefore avoid the ruin that seems to be on the horizon in my view. But Sharon really didn't even think that hard <laughs> about the proposal. It was really cute that she kind of pretended to think about it, pretended to weigh the pros and cons, but as the scenes went on, I realized that she was absolutely going to accept his proposal. There was no question about it. It did create some really nice scenes between Mariah and Sharon, though. I loved Mariah talking to Sharon and giving her a little bit of advice, and Mariah was totally encouraging. Mariah loves Sharon. She loves her mother and she wants her to be happy. And there was a wonderful moment where Mariah said, I was secretly heartbroken at the idea of you moving to San Diego. I've really come to rely on you. Not only do I see you as a mother, but I see you also as a best friend. 
I mean, what mother wouldn't want to hear that? That your daughter not only loves you as a mother, but sees you as a friend. That is the highest compliment that you could probably receive from a child. So I think that touched Sharon and allowed her to move forward into the relationship with Nick, even though she did have some questions. So with the blessings all around from Mariah, Sharon returns home to Nick, accepts his proposal. I wish that I could have been fully enthralled. I wanted to enjoy that moment, but it just feels like there's a doom on the horizon. Nick and Sharon did call together an engagement party where they wanted to announce to their friends and family, although there are a few of them, (laughs) that they're going to be getting married. And they went to the rooftop bar. Nick and Sharon were all dressed up. They make a gorgeous couple. Sharon was standing there in a very lovely white dress. It seemed pristine and pure. (laughs) All the things we know that Sharon is not. And Nick had on I think it was a light gray suit. It was very summery, very fresh. It seemed like it should be the perfect moment. It seemed like it should be a new beginning. Everything felt like the stars were going to (laughs) align. I also don't want to forget to mention that Mariah's pre-engagement party blessing for Nick and Sharon was so, so moving Mariah has been so important to both Nick and Sharon throughout all of this. And frankly, when Nick and Sharon announced to the group that they were going to be getting married, Mariah was the only one who was happy for them. She was the only one with a smile on her face. She did a little woo and a dance (laughs) while everybody else in the room had stank face. Oh, well, actually, they don't know. That's not true. Mariah was not the only person at the party who was happy that Nick and Sharon got engaged. Victor decided to crash the party. And he walks in, clapping his hands, acting like this is such a joyous occasion looks Nick dead in the eye and pretty much says, hey, congratulations, way to go. By getting engaged to Sharon, you've pretty much sealed your fate that you will never regain custody of Christian. Uh, I hate that that it has to be one or the other. I hate that there has to be a choice. But here's the thing. I'm suspicious. After all of Nick's rage last week. The great speech he gave, plopping Christian's toys down on Victor's table, raising his glass of wine to toast Victor, the vows that he would get Victor back. After all of that happened last week, it doesn't make sense to me that Nick turned around, mellowed out, and decided to start planning a wedding I think Nick is damn well still planning his revenge against Victor. And I think it's specific. I think it's targeted. And I think it's a plan that's already in motion.
All right, Victoria finally musters up some empathy for her brother Nick and everything their father is doing to him, taking his son away from him. Way to go, Victoria. (laughs) Way to come around. She calls Brittany into her office and tells Brittany that she wants to testify on Nick's behalf. Fine. Great, actually. Finally. You should have done that last week. But the more important thing here... Brittany ends up kicking open the door on some questions about JT. Brittany starts asking Victoria some questions about JT that were making Victoria a little bit uncomfortable. Now, Brittany was great friends with JT. She, at the Walnut Grove reunion, was one of the only people who was willing to give JT a little bit of time of day. She seemed to support him and believe that he was a good guy. And she was one of the only people in town who, even after all the truth has come out about him, it sort of seems like she still is looking for more answers about what what could have gone on. So is it possible that JT could have confided something in Brittany before his death? Could Brittany have known that there was something more going on? Could Brittany right now be sitting there in Victoria's office asking these questions just to gauge Victoria's response? And maybe maybe, uh, Brittany knows more about all of it. Then she's letting on because the very next day, it was the next day that Victoria was in her office and she received that threatening message that we saw in the previews last week. It wasn't a phone call, as I thought and assumed. It was an audio file. Victoria got an email with an embedded audio file. She should have known not to open that. (laughs) I'm surprised the Newman servers don't block that. I mean, at a lot of people's workplaces, you can't even get on Facebook. I'm surprised she was able to just download some random audio file. Uh, But she did... And it was a voice that was disguised, and the voice was saying that they have access to Newman Enterprises company documents. I thought maybe this voice was going to be threatening Victoria and the secret she was keeping about JT's death, but the threat seemed to be isolated to the company. The voice said that their aim was to destroy the company and destroy, and probably to destroy um, the, the family that's within the company. So th- whoever this culprit is, this mystery suspect, not only made the threat, but they did follow through with it. They decided to send boxes and boxes and boxes of hard copy files right to Victoria's office. They decided to make make good on the promise. Not only do I have access to your documents, but here it is in black and white. These are key files I was able to obtain from your server, and I want you to know that I know everything that you know. Whoever this bad bad guy is is not very eco-friendly. There's going to need to be a lot of recycling going on at Newman Enterprises tomorrow because there were a lot of boxes, a lot of papers. I'm pretty sure that Maddie Ashby would have something to say about that. 
Lily would be elbowing her saying, just let it go. Just let it go. But I was thinking of it. I'm like, this is so wasteful, all this paper. <laughs> so the threat is there. It's been backed up. It is real. Victoria tells Victor all about it. And Victor decides we got to bring Ashley in on the loop. All of us have got to get together and we got to start investigating who this might be. Well, as the week progresses, the lead suspect in everyone's mind becomes JT. It's a red herring. If you ask me, I mean, Victoria Phyllis, Sharon and Nikki all know that JT Hellstrom is planted six feet underground. And yet all signs are pointing to the fact that he's the one that had a hand in it. Okay, I'll give it to you. They found out that JT was the head of security at the time when the files were accessed. And Now, all of a sudden, his credit card is being used out of nowhere. In fact, it was JT's credit card that was used to purchase the shipping uh, on all of those boxes that were sent to Newman Enterprises. But to me, that just says, hmm, too convenient. Now, JT could still be alive, certainly, Soaps have a way of resurrecting people from the dead. They've gone to much greater lengths to bring someone back from much greater craziness than uh, the man being planted uh, under a rose garden in Chancellor Park. But I think there's also a possibility that JT could have just given someone else access to these files. Brittany, I'm looking in your direction. Or... (laughs) There are a lot of possibilities here, but Lionheart could be pulling a twin twist. Sorry, JT made one comment one time a couple months before he died about seeming sometimes like he was two different people, and I've just never been able to let that go. I've been holding on to the idea that there could be a JT twin out there somewhere since that very moment. (laughs) So that's a very good possibility. Next week in the previews, Ashley is telling Victoria that JT has been spotted. He's back in town. Someone's seen him. Paul could be working with a twin or just a lookalike to draw JT or his cohorts or his killers out of the woodwork and get some answers. Or, I don't know, the idea of JT as a threat at all in any of this could just be being used by the real culprit to throw up a distraction. I think the most likely scenario here is that Nick's behind it. Nick has the vendetta to beat all vendettas against Victor Newman right now. If anyone has both the means and the motive to hit Victor where it hurts, it's Nick. I mean, and Nicky could be in on it. That could explain the mild reactions. Nick was in Victoria's office when that first audio file voicemail came through, Nick could be standing there making it look to everyone like JT is alive and that he's still on the move. Nick could just be trying to distract from his own plan to take Victor down. Hell, Nick could be working with Paul and the police to try to take Victor down. It wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) 
Well, crap. Now I'm swinging back in the other direction on my opinion of Arturo. He's just so damn likable that I can't help but be suspicious. Abby introduced him to Ashley this week, and Arturo had Ashley out salsaing on the dance floor within just a couple of minutes. Oh, he's, he's too likable, right? And... We have the Nikki factor. Nikki walks in, sees Arturo on the dance floor with Ashley, and she, of course, can't stop herself from making some snide comments to Abby about it. The two exchange words. Nikki was issuing a little bit of a warning that had my antennas up. Nikki was saying to Abby... You know, Arturo and I weren't just lovers. There were feelings there. It was actually a relationship. And now, not that long after our relationship, you're in a relationship with him with feelings. And now I'm seeing him out on the dance floor with your mom. Don't you think it's a little odd that Arturo is getting cozy with everyone in our circle? It's a little too close for comfort. And look, Nikki may have some scorned woman feelings going on, but that doesn't mean she's not right. Nikki told Abby that you can heed my warnings at your own peril. But Abby's insistence that no one is going to keep her away from Arturo, no one is going to stop her from seeing him, gives me a sinking feeling that Abby and Arturo are headed for disaster. It's like the more Abby wants him and the closer they get, the more I'm like, ooh, 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 I don't know. Abby and Arturo are later at the rooftop bar, snuggling up, getting even more cozy. Abby's posting selfies of herself to her social media accounts with Arturo in the picture. She's changing her relationship status to it's complicated. And Arturo the whole time is acting like he don't know what social media is. He's insisting that he's never seen any of her accounts. He doesn't know anything about her presence online. Oh, but his sister makes it a point to keep him informed here and there. Red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) Arturo's sister again. Well, Arturo invites Abby back to his place, and he seemed a little hesitant to have her there at all, like he didn't know what she was going to find on the inside. It was kind of a fun bachelor pad, though. I bought it as far as a place where Arturo would live. He had the stereo equipment in the background and the posters on the wall, but he didn't seem comfortable to have her there. They're sitting on the couch, getting extra cozy. They were making out uh, up against the wall. They were kind of taking things uh, to the next level. It seemed to me like maybe they were going to go through with having sex. When Arturo gets up to offer Abby a drink, he leaves the room. Abby goes to sit down on the couch. She's like fluffing up the couch. (laughs) To make sure that when he comes back into the room, she's in a sexy position, like looking as good as she can possibly look. But when she moves one of the couch cushions or pillows or whatever, she finds a bra 
crammed down in between the cushions. She's crushed. She's crushed the look on her face. Oh, she just couldn't believe it. There's not a whole lot of, of, of applicable excuses here. So she just says, forget it, I'm just going to leave. She just gets up and walks out the door. I mean, what, what, what other excuse could there be? I sure hope the bra is his sister's. That's the only reasonable excuse, and maybe that is the excuse. I don't know. Maybe the bra is explainable perfectly, but all of the talk about the social media and his sister and all of that, it just feels off to me. And probably you guys are the ones who hipped me to that last week. The chatters were pointing out that Arturo could also be a suspect in the who hacked Newman Enterprises case. Arturo, he's virtually a blank slate. They could do anything with him that they choose to, but he does happen to have a reason to hate Victor Newman. And I mean, Ashley and Abby are both investigating the Newman hacker the day after Arturo is salsaing into Ashley's good graces. Normally, Jack would be at the top of the suspect list. Jack is always up for revenge against Victor, but Jack is busy on another assignment right now. So, Jack traces Dina's hat box key to a safe deposit box at a bank. He opens up the safe deposit box, and inside he finds only one thing, a photo that was crammed toward the back of the box, too. He had to work real hard even to get it out of there. He pulls the photo out, he looks at it, and he recognizes some of the people. He flips it over to the back, sees the date on it. It's a photo from the 50s, exactly dated like nine months before Jack's birth date, two people of note in the photo, his mother Dina and Philip Chancellor II. So now we have a clue. <laughs> Jack has a clue. He needs to get some answers. He needs to follow up on that. The, the birth date there, I mean, that's right around, like right before he was born. He's really got to pursue this hard. So to get some answers, he makes a phone call to Esther. Catherine's not around, but Esther was around at the time. And Esther was a, well, I guess Esther wasn't around at the time, but she was a confidant to Catherine, who's now gone. So Esther comes back into the scene. She was looking very pretty and pink or coral or something. She was very bright. I'm always happy to see Esther when she's not wearing her maid's uniform. <laughs> but it was very pleasant to see her chatting with Jack. And of course, Jack asks Esther about it. Asks Esther if Catherine ever confided in her about Philip having affairs with other women who weren't Jill. <laughs> okay, we know Philip had the affair with Jill, but other women, were there any? 
And Esther told Jack that she really wasn't privy to that kind of secret from Mrs. C. Catherine would have told her a lot of things, but she didn't happen to mention anything about her late husband having any other indiscretions. But Esther does suggest maybe Jack should try contacting Philip III or Chance. Those are the other two people in the lineage who might have some answers about Philip Chancellor. Oh, but darn! Philip III and Chance just so happen to be both off on a father-son wilderness trip. They are unreachable (laughs) for at least the next couple of months. There's no way you're going to be able to get a hold of them. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, shortly after... Kane must have caught word from Esther that Jack was kicking up some dust around Catherine's memory, around Catherine's legacy, and around Chancellor Industries. And Kane doesn't like it. Kane is now happily running Chancellor Industries all on his own now. And although he's not technically family, he feels like family, you know, because he lied, pretended to be Philip III, and squirreled his way into that family picture. I love that Neil had the nerve to bring that up, too. It has to be brought up, right? Kane was pretending to be a chancellor, while Jack is simply asking questions about whether or not he might actually be. And Jack snapped back, at Kane and said, I may be more of a chancellor than you ever were. Oh. It still feels like a lot of suspicion and hope to be hanging on one old photo. So Jack pulls himself back a little bit, tries to make nicey-nice with Kane, and says, um, actually... I just want to discover who my father is. That's all I'm after here. Can you please, please, please help me um, exhume Philip II's body for a DNA test? Dear Lord, please no. Please no exhuming of bodies. Please no, please. <laughs> Philip Chancellor's body has been laying there on the grounds of the Chancellor estate for years. We do not need to go digging up any bodies just so that Jack can gain control of Chancellor Industries to battle back and forth with Victor with? No, no, no. And this was Kane's reaction, too. I have to agree with him here. He's not on board with letting Jack dig up bodies for a DNA test. And neither is Billy, actually. Uh, both Kane and Billy were very hard on this idea of Jack's that he was going to be exhuming anything. Both Kane and Billy believe that Jack's ultimate goal here is to end up claiming inheritance of Chancellor Industries. And, of course, 
Jack says, that couldn't be further from the truth. I just want to know who I am. But I don't believe him. I think he sees the opportunity to inherit a different family legacy. And if let's say he does go through the process of finding out that Philip Chancellor was his father. He's going to be satisfied with all of the warm and fuzzies he gets from a family reunion for about 30 seconds. And then he's going to want to get his hands on that company. And I think we need to pick apart how that would even be possible. Can we just discuss that for a second? Because when Philip died, he left the company to Catherine. End of story. It's common practice for an asset to be passed along to the spouse, not to the child. Even if, let's say, YNR rewrites the history here, let's say even if there is some old stipulation that's found in Philip's will about wanting his children to inherit his company if they're alive, Jill would have found that and used that to take the company away from Catherine and give it to her son Philip III years ago. So, I don't see how it's even possible. With Catherine gone, she willed the company to Victor, and then Victor sold it to Jill. No judge is going to go all the way back and reverse all of that, all of that ownership. It's just not possible. Just to give Jack control of Chancellor Industries. The only judge who would do that might possibly be the same judge who decided to give custody of Christian to Victor. (laughs) Okay. Begin rant. I am starting to actively dislike the idea of Jack being anything other than an abbot. I am usually very open to whatever the writers want to do most of the time, but rewriting long-held family continuity on the show bothers me. YNR did this with Jill not even that long ago. They made her a Fenmore out of the blue just so that she could go in and battle with Lauren over the Fenmore's company. I didn't love it then. I don't love it now. And rant. At YRChat.com, last week's poll question, should YNR recast the role of Hillary? 56% said yes, recast her. 44% said no. I voted yes, recast Hillary, but that's still a really slim margin. I'm with the majority, but man, there still are a lot of people who just don't want to see the role recast at all. Mostly, I think I... I, I voted yes because I feel sad knowing that the current storyline is going to be coming to an end and that it's not going to be a happy end. We know now that she's leaving, so everything that's happening now, it, it just, the, the, the sweetness is soured because we know she's going to be gone soon. Hillary is in the early stages of her pregnancy and also in her reunion with Devon. Everything about Hillary's life probably seems very shaky right now. She seems to think that she needs to keep 
her morning sickness symptoms from Devon, which is a little funny that she would think she would have to do that. But as soon as Devon finds out that she's not feeling well and she's kind of hiding it, it ended up creating a bonding opportunity for them that I wish I could have enjoyed more if I would have thought she was staying on the show. But he tells her that you don't have to hide this from me. I want to be there for you through it all, the good and the bad. And I'll tell you, Hillary, from my own experience, there's a lot worse things than puke coming your way. You guys need to get on board. (laughs) And you do need to go off and enjoy that baby moon while you can. Devon ended up secretly canceling Hillary's appearance on an upcoming episode of the Hillary Hour because he wanted to surprise her with this baby moon trip. Hillary finds out that Devon has canceled this her appearance on the show she comes stomping back to the penthouse where she sees that devon had her bags packed only she thinks that he's firing her he's really surprising her with this trip and she thinks that he has decided to dump her for some out of the blue misstep that she did that he just found out about and i think again that speaks a little bit toward hillary's feeling that her entire world is both coming together but it's also balanced a little bit on a string well, Devon and Shauna revealed that they were that, that they had uh, planned this whole baby moon thing as a surprise getaway for Hillary before the baby comes and everything gets crazy. And Shauna was right there being the best little helper. Shauna thought of everything. She even handed Hillary a stack of monogrammed barf bags for the plane ride to St. Croix. Hmm... And then, of course, the second that Devon and Hillary closed the door, went off on their trip, Shauna was texting Charlie, telling him to come on over. She's got Devon's luxury penthouse all to herself. Well, of course, of course she would. She's a teenager. The cat's away. The mouse is ready to play. <laughs> she is two-faced, though. Boy, she is the just brightest, smilingest little angel, right, to Hillary and Devon. And as soon as they turn their back, she's right there plotting something naughty. I guess that's probably how a lot of teenagers are, if you think about it. You're usually looking for a way to, to, to slip through a crack or something if you can. Um, and sure enough, <laughs> Charlie comes running. Shauna texts him and he comes running. He's over at the penthouse when Neil is checking in on Shauna. She's sitting there with her little SAT book, <laughs> trying to make it look like she's just studying for the test, even though it's months away. But no, Charlie's actually hiding behind the bar from Neil. It was a little bit cute. I will give him that. But I think that Char- that Shauna is pulling Charlie into some behaviors and some actions that maybe he's not quite so comfortable with. Um, They start to talk about their past relationships and even allude to Shauna's past 
physical relationships with an ex-boyfriend of hers. And even the mere mention of this ex and of Shauna's potential experience spooks Charlie and he ends up having to leave the condo without a word being said. I think that Shauna's just more sexually experienced than Charlie, which is maybe embarrassing for him. I could see that. And it is a pleasant twist, possibly, on an expectation of a teen relationship story. Usually it's the other way around. Usually the boy is more experienced and is trying to convince the girl to go to the next level. I can't remember when I felt more like a loser. Said by Michael last week, right after he won Victor's custody case. I thought that was a great line. I wasn't expecting as many of you guys to get it, but oh my, 14 of you guessed correctly that that line came from Michael. Congratulations, Consuela, Natalie, Zoperplex, Tiffany, Justin, Henry, Laura, Nancy, Jamie, Ambrine, Sandra, Coral, Tanya, and Sharita. Let's see if you guys can get this one. Who said this line? Would you like a popsicle? <laughs> I don't know why it caught me, but it did. Would you like a popsicle? Whyourchat.com, that's our website. If you think you know who offered a popsicle, you can go there to leave your guess. And if you get it right, you will enjoy your shout out on next week's YNR Chat. All right, let's get some comments from the crowd here. Zoperplex says, Devon should check the silverware once he returns from vacation in St. Croix. That Shauna is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I also kind of wondered if maybe Shauna could somehow be connected to Arturo. Is that crazy? He's constantly talking about his sister, and Shauna has this bizarre family situation it's probably not connected but I kept I keep wanting to make a connection with both Arturo and with Shauna to some sort of larger story and who knows Wayanar might still be working on it or maybe we're just getting a teen light story or maybe a teen heavy story I don't know Tina Cole says I am so proud of Charlie for not going too far with Shauna and for standing up for himself. I do like them together, but I think as difficult as it is when you're a teen, they need to be completely open on what they are and are not comfortable with. I hope Shauna was just curious where Charlie stands in their relationship and does not end up pressuring him. Maybe Tina Cole it is just supposed to be a story about 
two teens getting to that point in a relationship where you are starting to question whether or not you should have sex. It's possible that there's not some larger conspiracy theory here. I don't know. I, I can't help myself from speculating. I'm a longtime soap fan and it's usually some kind of something around the corner in every situation. Ellen says maybe Allie's right about Shauna wanting to have a baby to tie herself to the Ashby Winters family. Kind of an old-fashioned storyline. I don't even remember saying that. I don't even remember thinking that. Did I say that? Um, I, it, I hadn't even thought about the fact that maybe Shauna was trying to get pregnant to tie herself into this rich family. That's a possibility too. Once again, probably the reason why I'm trying to connect Shauna to Arturo. They're both blank slates. At this point, YNR could take them into a direction where they're very likable, or who knows, they could be enacting a ton of drama upon the residents of our town. But wow, yeah, baby, it does seem like there is a potential teen pregnancy storyline that has been hinted at, though, at the very least. Uh, let's talk about Hillary's baby, though. Coral says, with a baby on the way, my question is, if Hillary leaves town, does that mean no baby? That's the question, Coral and everybody, is what's going to happen to the baby? We know that Hillary is not going to be staying around unless, of course, they recast her, but let's assume that they're not. Hillary would leave town for one reason or another. I think it's unlikely that Hillary would leave town with her baby because I don't think Devon would let Hillary leave town with the baby. So with Hillary gone, that either means that Devon becomes a single father or it means that Hillary loses the baby. And that is a very sad idea. I would not like to see the end of this actress playing Hillary climax with a very sad story of her losing the baby. I think that would be something memorable to see from the actress, but that's just so darn hard to watch. And I know a lot of people don't like Hillary and Devon, but a lot of people do. It would be sad on top of losing their relationship if they lost the child. Oh, I just don't know. Kara voted no on a recast of Hillary, saying, I have never been a fan of Hillary, and even five years of her being on the show, give or take, I just have never felt her character made sense. I don't feel like she's ever fit into the cast. I'm happy to see her go, and I'm not anxious for a recast. I want to see Devon with someone else, ASAP. He's one of my favorites, and he deserves better than Hillary. Have we heard anything about the status of Brighton James's contract? Is he most definitely still staying on even though Michelle Morgan is leaving the show? I think that they're going to need to do some retooling with Devon. It's not altogether terrible if Devon ends up raising the baby on his own and we go in a single dad direction and pair him up in the future with someone else. That would be okay with me. Consuela says, I voted yes to recasting Hillary because even though it would be hard to get used to a new actress playing Hillary, I'm sure it can be done as long as they pick 
the right actress. I mean, how hard was it to accept Jason Thompson as the new Billy or Gina Tognoni as the new Phyllis? But we did and fell in love. Jason Thompson is one of my favorite reincarnations of Billy, even though I was sad to see Burgess Jenkins leave. So if they find the right actress, I think a new Hillary would be great. I agree, Consuela. I'm 100% for a recast. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Even if... YNR's not able to rebuild the chemistry of the couple, I still would like to see the character of Hillary continue on the show. And as, as you say, if the casting is right, it could be very well done. You might even like the character of Hillary more with a different actress. Who knows? Rose says, Kane is really obnoxious this week. He was really unnecessarily aggressive toward Jack before Jack even made his request. And then Kane started aggressively demanding that his father-in-law needed to set his friends straight. Kane, calm down. You're not a chancellor. The chancellor estate is not your house. And you certainly have no claim to any chancellor's body. Obviously, in the absence of Jill, who owns the house, her son, Billy, would make the call about allowing or not allowing any exhumation. Take a seat, Kane, <laughs> Rose says. Yeah, Kane had no business, none whatsoever. It's clear that Weiner is just trying to butt him up into that storyline, but it would have been Billy who had have made any decision about the estate or the body in, in Jill's absence. Speaking of Jill, Connor says, all right, if YNR is going to take us on this wild ride with Jack and throw in Philip Chancellor, they could at least bring in Jill. She's one of the last connections we have left to Philip. And here's another wild thought. What about Nina? Wouldn't she know some information? Wasn't she married to Philip III? Come on, YNR. Throw me a bone here. I'm itching. <laughs> Well, I certainly agree. Um, I would, uh, I think Nina is a really good pull. I don't know why YNR didn't keep her on the show. She would have been a great person to continue to fold into the story. I liked her quite a bit. But here's a little bit of news for you, Connor. And actually, it was Gary who hipped me to this news. Apparently, Jess Walton is returning as Jill. She's going to be back in July. So that's good news, at least. Um, Gary was speculating on how Jill's return might forecast beyond that preview we saw for next week's show where Jack is asking Dina if Philip Chancellor II could be his father and Jack was showing Dina the photo. Um, Gary says Dina could say no he's not your father but YNR also could drag that out to the end of next week since and this is a good point Dina would have recall of Philip Chancellor and not just as someone she had an affair with for a brief period of time then disappeared I do think YNR probably will drag that out toward the end of the week my thought on this now that you told me Gary Jess Walton is coming back to the show is that Dina is going to confirm Jack's suspicion that Philip Chancellor II is his father and I think Jack is going to try to stake a claim on the Chancellor estate possibly the Chancellor company maybe it is just more about the house who knows but I think that probably Jack trying to get up there and cause some trouble and ask some questions and maybe claim a little something for himself is what will draw Jill back onto the show in July. 
Michael wanted to weigh in about that mysterious voice that Victoria was hearing, saying that uh, the voice knows Victoria's secrets. Uh, Michael says, I think it's Ravi. There's a big rift between Victoria and Abby, and Ravi is very protective of Abby, very loyal to her. Out of loyalty to Abby, Ravi uh, could be the culprit. There are so many potential culprits in this story. Um, Tanya says it was nice seeing Mac in an episode, and it was nice having her scene with Victoria. I would like it very much if JT was back from the dead. It's a soap opera, so anything could happen. And Superplex says, I theorize that either Mackenzie or Reed is responsible for the security leak at Newman Enterprises. It would not surprise me in the least if the voice behind the text message was actually female. Mackenzie may have suspected that Victoria was behind JT's disappearance, and perhaps, as a precautionary measure, JT arranged to have those files delivered to Mackenzie in the event of a foul play. Daisy also adds, Mac may be wired, and Paul and Christine are using her, hoping for a confession or a meltdown and then a confession from Victoria. There are so many different directions this could go. We have so many potential suspects. <laughs> and there are a lot of other people like Brittany and Mac that came into the picture a little bit late in the game. To me, I just think it's an all, it's all a red herring. I just can see it being Nick. I just can uh, Tina Cole says, I hope Nick and Sharon don't make it almost to the aisle just to have the whole JT secret come out and break them up again. Hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering about that, too. Uh, something's got to break up, but I don't, something's going to end up breaking Nick and Sharon up. If it does happen, I don't want it to be some played out secret type thing that we've seen a million times before, like we saw last time. Oh, I just want Nick and Sharon to be in a good place. It's a, it's a shaky ground for them to be getting married on. Sharita says, while I love the proposal and love their love, I just don't think that Nick should have asked now, and I don't think that she should have said yes. However, I do want them to win with their love and with the custody battle. Well, here's a thought from me. Um, why didn't Nick consider asking Sharon to marry him after the custody battle mess has resolved itself? After all of that drama has died down, that would have been the time to ask Sharon to marry you, Nick, not in the middle of it. And it seems like it's going to be in spite of it. Rose says, I'm not respecting Nick this week. If my attorney told me that I might need to leave a person to keep my child, I wouldn't immediately get engaged to that person. No relationship would matter more to me than my baby. And maybe he didn't need to leave her. Maybe he could have seen it. Uh, maybe he could have seen how it was going to go first. But to get engaged, it's really not a move that implies that he'd do anything for Christian. Gosh, that's an excellent point, Rose. The, the only thing I can think to counter that with is if Nick is doing everything that he's doing because he already knows he has an ace up his sleeve. Ellen says, why does Mariah's hair look beautiful and Sharon's is just, well, 
sad. She's going to her own engagement party and her hair is not parted straight, dark roots showing, and not even combed neatly. What's up with that? <laughs> Sharon Case is lovely. Her dress is fancy. I just don't get the hair fail. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth there, Ellen, because I didn't want to be the first one to say it, but I was not loving Sharon Case's hair this week. I completely agree with you that that dress was gorgeous. It was lovely. It seemed fancy. It seemed really expensive. And then the hair just seemed really short and really flat, and the wispies were flying all away. I was thinking this week that I wouldn't mind seeing Sharon Case in a shorter haircut. Maybe the hair's looking a little, um, maybe just a little too long. Uh, and maybe, maybe what we need is something shorter, something softer, perhaps a curl in there, maybe something to give some volume around the face. I'm not a hairstylist, but I know what looks good and maybe what doesn't look good. And that didn't look attractive. It doesn't, it didn't look as attractive as I know that Sharon is. So maybe it is time, maybe it's time to give her a new style. Man, do you remember how everybody hit the roof when she dyed her hair dark? Oh, <laughs> the fans were really upset when that happened. They might also hit the roof if she were to cut it. I don't know. Oh, let's switch gears here. Rose says, I've never been a big summer fan before, but I have to admit she's doing, she's really adding a lot to the show right now. The 20-somethings, Summer, Kyle, Mariah, Abby, Arturo, and their pool set with the fruity drinks and dancing have the storylines that I'm enjoying the most. Also, I have to admit that I'm cheering for Summer to cause scandal with or for Billy. Once we get there, I think the show is going to be very exciting. Well, you know, I agree. Summer is really giving me the drama that I'm looking for for the summer. Consuela says, I wonder if Kyle's motives are truly pure now when it comes to Jack and wanting to make a name for himself at Chabot. This is a really interesting point to bring up now, Consuela, because, uh, Y&R certainly did flip that character, didn't they? He was a bad boy. He was working with Victor when he first came onto the show, and now all of a sudden, he's very loyal to Jabot, contributing a million-dollar ad campaign idea, and he's also very loyal to Jack, going along with him on this journey to find who Jack's real father is. Are they going to twist him back in the other direction, or did they just decide to reform him, or did YNR just want to have the character make a big interest and seem like a bad guy, and then they knew they were going to bring him back to make him a love lead all along? I don't know, but we need to keep an eye on Kyle. We, at the very least, probably can assume he has the potential to slip back into his snake-like ways, but for right now, all I'm seeing is leading man, sexy leading man. <laughs> I'm seeing a heartthrob crush worthy character. L. Day says, Mariah is such a support for several characters on the show. I love that about her, but one thing I'd like to see change for her, 
others getting together to plan special dates, surprises, and getaways for her, instead of it always being her arranging and planning for others. Hashtag Team Mariah Kyle. (laughs) Oh my, I know, Mariah really tugs at my heartstrings too. She's had a lot of good speeches. She's had a lot of tears welling up in her eyes just this week alone. How about that scene at the rooftop bar where Mariah ends up interrupting Kyle and Summer's business meeting. Summer goes off to have a chat with Nick. Mariah's sitting there talking to Kyle, and Kyle, though, was looking back at Summer. I have a screenshot of it at the website if you want to check that out. Mariah's just sitting there looking like she's always the bridesmaid, never the bride, while Kyle is side-eyeing Summer in the background. I think that Kyle and Mariah did have some chemistry also, but why is it that she's always in someone else's friend zone, whether it's a romantic entanglement or, as L. Day was saying, in a friendship support type of way? Mariah deserves to be front burner, darn it. Oh, Anna had a really good piece of information here saying that Life in Pieces did get renewed. That's the show that Hunter King is also on on CBS. And Anna says that Hunter will be returning to that show. It's not going to be until mid-season. It apparently airs in January. But Hunter King is free to work on YNR until shooting on Life in Pieces will begin. So I wonder if that means that they will be ushering her off the canvas after the summer storylines are done. Summer meaning the season after, you know, maybe once uh, fall sweeps roll around, we will see the end of summer for a little while. Disappointing because I'm feeling it. Although I'm okay if they just want to bring her on for some stints to cause some trouble because this has really been worth the price of admission. (laughs) Which, by the way, is zero. Um, Let's see. Tawny says, why is it that they always make a love triangle or possible love triangle with Abby and her mother? GYNR get some new stuff. Why didn't I think of that, Tawny? It wasn't really even occurring to me as Ashley was dancing with Arturo that there may be a potential love connection brewing there. I mean, Arturo does love the older ladies. I mean, I'm sure that's how Nikki was looking at it, so why didn't I see that? I'm not sure. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Icky. Abby deserves her own guy, not a guy who's been with her stepmother and who could potentially want to be with her real mother. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Ugh. Get some new stuff for sure. Well, let's end up on this funny little comment here from Laura. Laura says, the Muzak at the GCAC drives me nuts. Something sophisticated or classically jazzy, it's part of the studio set. If Jabot gets a popcorn machine, the GCAC needs to get a nice playlist. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. I mean, if I think about it, I can imagine the music that's usually playing at the GCAC. But you make a good point there. I was personally just impressed that someone finally flipped the jukebox at Crimson Lights. It only took them about 20 years to do that. Oh, what a wonderful week. I enjoyed it very much. I have a feeling that you guys enjoyed it too. Or if you didn't, 
I still want to hear it. YRChat.com, that's a great place to leave all of your rants and your raves. Hey, if I get to rant, <laughs> then you get to rant too. And just because I'm ranting doesn't mean I don't love it. So that's, uh, that, I think I think it's healthy to have some complaints about the show too. So feel free <laughs> to go to YRChat.com, leave your comments. I will come back next week to give you my further rants and raves and to read yours. Everybody, I love you. Have a great week. Bye.